0: Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the my taught you podcast and I'm really excited to be back with another business slash entrepreneurship series. Brought to you by the all new Fresh Books. Um, I know on this podcast we've been having so much fun with our guests, which will be back. Um, but I know a lot of you are fans of business and entrepreneurship like I am. So today I did my best to put together what I would believe to be the top five books. Um, that would be beneficial to an entrepreneur. And while I can certainly talk about you know 50 or 500 books, I felt like if I had to give a brand new entrepreneur a list of books, this would be it. Um, this series is brought to you by the All New Fresh Books, and I'm really excited about the All New Fresh Books because I tried it. Um, I have a uh, I have a membership over there, and I've been giving it a go, and. What I love about this uh, accounting software. So for those of you who are entrepreneurs, um, are thinking about being an entrepreneur, and if you are a freelancer, um, you are an entrepreneur. I know how busy it is, right? It's just like you've got several projects, you have a meeting coming up. Uh, Where is my lunch? You have so many things to do that sometimes we put the business of our business on the back burner, which we cannot do because. We must be organized and we got to make sure we're getting our money. Um, The all-new FreshBooks has so many amazing new features. Uh, The features that have stood out to me so far have been the all-new dashboard. Um, The FreshBooks dashboard has been curated to answer the one burning question for any small business owner how is my business doing? No more guessing games on what's owed, overdue, or whether or not you're in the red. So literally you log in, you're at the dashboard, and every day that you log in, you know exactly how you're doing, what pace you're on, and that's the thing that I like the most is that I love to know, like how am I pacing this month versus last month? Um, Another really cool feature that I enjoyed is the notification center. So the new notification center is like your personal, personal assistant telling you What's changed in your business since you last logged in and what should be dealt with? Things like overdue notices, right? Um, this lets you focus on what's needed to get done and help you get back to your work faster. FreshBooks, of course, is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, all you have to do is go to freshbooks.com backslash you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. Very simple. I know you're going to like it. I love it when you guys tweet me that you've tried it. Um, it's helping to keep you organized. You can, people can, you can invoice and people can pay you right there on the spot. And you know me, I'm all about getting my money and making it easy for people to pay me. So, um, check it out freshbooks.com backslash my taught you putting this list of books together was a challenge because I was just like, If I had to come up with a list of five, you know, sometimes people just want to know, where do I start? So starting now, this is my top five books on entrepreneurship. Number one, The E-Myth Revisited. Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It by Michael Gerber. So. The eMyth revisited was recommended to me by my really good friend Spencer Humphrey. He is on the gram as Black Tie ATL. Spencer is a serial entrepreneur, and before I decided to take like the deepest dive into entrepreneurship. I started meeting with a lot of friends that I have that are that were already doing it. And so that's always the a great first step to take if you're considering entrepreneurship is look around and see who's doing it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the same field as you. Um, you just want to know how they started and what what they're doing. So some key points in this book that I that I'm going to share with you is that most people start a business for the wrong reason. Most people just wanna work for themselves because they're tired of working for someone else. Um, And the thing that you don't realize is you typically end up working twice as much for half the money when you work for yourself, right? Um, Sometimes that can be the issue or they start businesses because they are good at something, not really not realizing that the technical work is such a small part of the business. So let's just say you're a phenomenal, you know, you, you do a great job cutting hair and you decide that you're going to open a salon. You don't realize that, like, being able to cut hair well is the sort of lowest uh, priority in terms of being a business, uh, you know, it just is. And so uh, Michael Gerber goes on, to, goes on to say that people make less money in their businesses because they're doing the wrong work. If you cut hair or you do hair and you think that's the heartbeat of the business, if you think the heartbeat of your business is your talent, you are so very wrong. The heartbeat of the business is, and I want you to get your, your pen out, marketing, sales and operations period, Right. So you being bomb at this and amazing at that, that is not where the heartbeat of the business is. Marketing, sales, operations. Um, Another great point that I love that Gerber makes is if your business depends on you alone, you don't own a business, you own a job. And that point it uh, really sticks out in my head a lot of the times when I am constantly challenging myself to let people do the jobs that I've hired them to do. Right. I think it's, we start these businesses, we start working and we start to feel like, Oh my God, if I don't, if I'm not there to oversee everything, if I'm not there to inject myself in every single moment, it's not happening correctly. And the truth is that if, if every function of the job needs you, Um, you, you aren't running a company, you're owning a job. And that is, is not something that we should be doing. Um, a nice quote from the book, the work we do is a reflection of who we are. If we're sloppy at it, it's because we're sloppy inside. If we're late at it, it's because we're late inside. If we're bored by it, it's because we're bored inside with ourselves, not with the work. The most menial work can be a piece of art when done by an artist. So the job here is not outside of ourselves, but inside of ourselves. How we do our work becomes a mirror of how we are inside. And so I think that if you follow people on social media and you see the kind of businesses that they have, those businesses reflect who they are as a person. And so things are falling apart and things don't look great or things are a little tacky. That's how that person is on the inside. Um, Another good quote, contrary to popular belief, My experience has shown me that the people who are exceptionally good in business aren't so because of what they know, but because of their insatiable need to know more. So people who do really well are insanely curious. They want to know everything. They read everything. They're interested in a lot of things. So it's not that they're successful because of what they know. It's their um, curiosity is what drives them and what makes them successful. Um... The difference between great people and everyone else is that great people create their lives actively while everyone else is created by their lives, passively waiting to see where life takes them next. The difference between the two is living fully and just existing. And so that's why I think these books are great for people who are not necessarily entrepreneurs, because it helps you understand, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset helps you understand that, like, This life comes down to what you decide to create, right? Um, And my last favorite quote for this book is, your business is nothing more than a distinct reflection of who you are. So if you're not you have to be careful trying to be like everybody else and you have to understand that you just have to be yourself in business because that is what people want. They don't want you being like someone else. They want you being like you and even the parts of you that you think aren't as appealing or you don't think are as cool. There's somebody out there who can relate to you exactly as you are. So that's my recommendation for that. Before I get into book number two, I just realized this as I was going over this, that, um, on my website, mytaughtyou.com, I have my new 2017 hustle journal up. Um, I thought about that because I'm like, you should be writing this down and taking notes. And so that journal is pre-selling on my site right now um, and it's going to ship before the holiday. So you'll have it. It's a great Christmas gift, all that good stuff. So that's that. Book number two is Leaders Eat Last, Why Some Teams Pull Together and Others Don't by Simon Sinek. Uh, Simon, I mentioned this in another podcast, can do no wrong. He has some really great books. um, And some of my favorite notes and quotes from that book are, I have a lot of them. um, As the Zen Buddhist saying goes, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I really just believe that to be true. Um, I had a situation this week, actually last week since today's Sunday, but I had a situation where I was really uncomfortable with the way someone chose to, I guess, describe me or describe something. I, you know, I was, I really wasn't turned on by the way the person chose to describe me in print. And so because of this Saying and what I believe to be true is like how you do one thing is how you do all things, how you do anything is how you do everything, and I was just like, if somebody would make me this uncomfortable just uh, in the outset in the print, how can I trust them to do the rest of the stuff, the editing and all this other stuff? Like, you don't have my best interests at at hand, so that is just how I feel and you can apply that to everything it's like if you're a little lazy and you don't straighten up that's how you do it. like like that's just who you are you're a little lazy in everything you're not going to be oh you know I'm disciplined about this but I'm not about that about that no how you do one thing is how you do all things um But about this book, that's sort of like, that's one of the quotes from the book and sort of like Simon's mindset. And Simon goes deep into the roots of human biology and psychology to investigate what makes a great leader. He does not only... Uh, he does not only that but he provides an exciting vision for a different world where leaders fulfill their original role sacrificing themselves to protect others and I think that a lot of people don't understand that I run into a lot of people who are obsessed with being leaders but they want to be leaders because they want a specific title or they want to wear a crown they don't really understand that your job as a leader is to sacrifice yourself to protect others um some really good points in the book. Trust is the most important value in the organization. Building trust requires nothing more than telling the truth. Um, you have to tell the truth. If you're running late, tell the truth. If you didn't do something, tell the truth. Um, it's, it's essential and a trustworthy organization is built on the truth. Um, another point, the leaders of companies set the tone and direction for the people. Hypocrites, liars, And self-interested leaders create cultures filled with hypocrites, liars, and self-interested employees. The leaders of companies who tell the truth in contrast will create a culture of people who tell the truth. It's not rocket science. We follow the leader. Um, Another point. When the people have to manage dangers from inside the organization, the organization itself becomes less able to face dangers from the outside. I found that to be really important and I consider it one of my guiding lights professionally is that I have to I believe as a leader, it is my job to keep the internal environment progressive. Um, and safe so that we are strong enough to fight off any sort of like outside things. If we have, I know that my team is useless. If at any point we have turmoil on the inside and it's like, what is turmoil? Turmoil can be um, an employee who doesn't really want to be there anymore. And instead of, you know, I, I know sometimes it's hard for people to come to terms with that themselves. It's like, if you, Um, don't want to be there, your unconscious and subconscious behavior um, has the ability to infect other people. And if you are a true leader, it is your job to figure out who these people are, have conversations with them. And if you still don't see anything happening, it's your job to remove the cancer. Um, And that whole saying one bad apple spoils a bunch and all that it's true. It is very true. And don't, you know, it's difficult to do to this day. It's not, it's the, it's the least favorite part of my job, the least favorite part of my job, but it must be done. Um, the goal of a leader is to give no orders. Leaders are to provide direction and intent and allow others to figure out what to do and how to get there. Train people to think not comply. Responsibility is not doing as we're told, that's obedience. Responsibility is doing what is right. Um, that is something that's really important to me. And I always have this joke that when some people come to work with me, they have to be reprogrammed because a lot of jobs will just train you to follow orders. And I want you to be able to think. If something happens and I said I wanted something done and I'm not able to see sort of the circumstances that may have changed. I want someone to be intuitive enough to use their brain um, to do what is right, not to be obedient. Right. And so I think that we have to also give people, you know, we have to train um, people who work for us to think. Um, leaders want people to come to work, not because they want a job, but because they want a future and a sense of belonging to a team. And that's the thing that you have to think about while you're sort of creating your organization and creating the culture, um, Of your organization. Another fine point that I loved is when a leader has the humility to distribute power across the organization, the strength of the company becomes less dependent on one person and is thus better able to survive. In this model, instead of trying to command and control everything, the leaders devote all their energy to training, building, and protecting their people so that the people can command and control any situation themselves. So, one thing that I love about some of my favorite business books is that there tends to be a common theme. And if you think about the book that I just discussed, uh, the first one, The E Myth Revisited, is it talks about, you know, if this, if your company relies on you for everything, you don't own a company, you you ha- you own a job. And I think that this is a weave that you can connect that, like, you have to distribute power across the organization so that the organization will be better able to survive. Like, without you, if you fall ill, if you need to travel, if something comes up, you. You've got to set yourself up that like this machine can roll without you. Um, So another really good point that I love from this book is like uh, visions. This is a quote, visions of being the best, visions of being the biggest, the best or most respected. Or in other words, um, or Any other words that so often show up in vision statements are useless if we want to inspire people to work hard to achieve those visions. So if you're concerned about being the best and being the biggest and being the most respected, that's not a really great place to have a vision. A good vision statement explains in specific terms what the world would look like if everything the company did was wildly successful. So um, they use use this example, Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King told us that he had a dream that one day little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with the little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you are a leader. And that's really the essence of what a leader is. And so if you want to just be like hashtag girl boss, hashtag boss, babe, and all that, that's not really what it is. Um, So letting someone into an organization is like adopting a child. I could not agree with that more. It says being a leader is like being a parent and the company is like a new family to join, to treat people like a family, to sacrifice the numbers, to save the people and not sacrifice the people to save the numbers. And so you have to, value people you have to value the organization you have to look at it as like every time someone comes in this person is a new member of the family Um, and this is the last point from this book managers look after short-term goals leaders look after long-term goals let that marinate let that marinate okay you likely won't be surprised by book number three book number three is The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is just amazing. Um, If you haven't listened to his revisionist podcast, do yourself a favor and get in on that. This book was recommended to me by my friend Nick. Um, Before I became an entrepreneur, I moved to Atlanta and Nick suggested that I read this book and this is Malcolm Gladwell's first book. Um, The Tipping Point is an analysis of how trends are sparked and take hold um gladwell defines a tipping point as the moment of critical mass the threshold or the boiling point um so this is a book that seeks to explain and describe the mysterious sociological changes that mark everyday life um ideas products and messages and behaviors spread like viruses do and so i really like this book and thought about it heavily before I started a brand because I knew that it was going to be important to me to create something that would spread like a virus, if you will. Um, and it's, it's a really, um, it's, I I feel like it's academic, you know, it's academic in the way it is, it is explained. But if you think for a second that things that sort of just take off, don't have any, um, heartbeat or don't have any, thought to them um, these epidemics these things that have become epidemics uh, you're sadly mistaken so Malcolm Gladwell describes the three rules of epidemics or the three agents of change as the law of the few the stickiness factor and the power of context I'm not going to um, go off the deep end and explain those to you But what I really liked is how, um, if you read the book, I think you'll find it insanely interesting, but he talks about three types of people um, in this book. Connectors, you know, people that are needed for an epidemic. Connectors, the people in a community who know large numbers of people and who are in the habit of making introductions, right? So I think we probably all know somebody who's a connector. Um, Mavens, people who are interested information specialists are people we rely upon to connect us with new information. And then there's salesmen, persuaders, charismatic people with powerful negotiation skills. I can say that if you know someone who's all three of those, they typically are faring very well professionally um, and in the business life 2 I'm going to, uh, if you haven't read outliers also um, do yourself and, and do yourself a favor and check that one out too. But outliers, the story of success, um, two favorite quotes from that book. It is those who are successful, in other words, who are most likely to be given the kinds of special opportunities that lead to further success. It's the rich who get the biggest tax breaks. It's the nine and 10 year olds who get the most coaching and practice. Um, I, made, I made a mistake on that. Let me start over. It's the rich who get the biggest tax breaks. It's the best students who get the best teaching and most attention. It's the biggest nine and 10 year olds who get the most coaching and practice. Success is the result of what sociologists like to call a cumulative advantage. And so that made me think of something that my friend Ken always says, it's hard to make a little money, easy to make a lot. And I just think it's this, the the story of success is such that people who are the best get the best of things and they get the most attention so it seems like they're constantly on this sort of success wheel so my thought on that would be if you just work hard to be the best at something you will get more attention you will get better training and you will get better and better by being the best um and another quote, the last one before we move on to the next book is if you work hard enough and assert yourself and use your imagination, you can shape the world to your desires. And I really do believe that I do believe that doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter, you know, what happened if you work really hard and assert yourself and you must use your imagination, not someone else's, not someone else's vision. It has to be your imagination. You can shape the world um, to your desires and have the kind of life that you want. Okay. Book number four is a book from 1994, which you probably like, this is an old school book, uh, that is very personal to me. This book is the personal touch, what you really need to succeed in today's fast paced world by Terry Williams. Um, this book was made, in 1994, something that I love about Terry Williams is she's a May 12th Taurus. Um, a little background on Terry is in 1998 she opened a PR agency. she started out as a medical social worker and at the hospital she met and befriended jazz musician Miles Davis who encouraged her to open her own business which Williams eventually did. Some of her clients include some of her clients included Prince Chris Rock, Janet Jackson, um, Al Sharpton, Sean Diddy Combs, Monique, uh, the late Johnny Cochran, and some of her corporate clients included HBO, Revlon, Time Warner, Essence. Like she had a really, really amazing roster. Um, This book really helped me because I felt like, uh, first, I'll tell you the story. Um, The summer before I graduated college, Essence Magazine sponsored me for an internship. And, excuse me, as a part of the internship, uh, as a part of the internship, they had all these different like breakout sessions with all these amazing people. And I'll never forget the lunch that we all of the interns had with Terry Williams. And at that meeting, she gave us all her book and I was just so blown away. Um, and I'm going to read you these and I'll put the link in here. But uh, Terry's 21 ways to promote yourself in business. Now, I was so blown away by these, this book, because I felt like you can have all the talent and have all the skills, but there's that extra stuff, you know, the je ne whatever they call it, like, there's this stuff, the romance that I think that that really pushes people ahead, like the things you do different from everyone else. And so I could not put this book down. I think I read it in like two days. And I wrote Terry, thank you note from the internship you know I had her address her from her business card and I wrote her a thank you and I'll never forget that she called me in my office as an intern to thank me and I was like this is a woman who gets it who's not just talking the talk she's walking the walk but these are the 21 ways to promote yourself in business number one know that your reputation is valuable and that it often reaches people before you do Um, With that in mind, understand the importance of how you interact with people. Be sincere, be honest, be prepared, be professional, be thorough, be efficient, and deliver. Terry says, do what you say you're going to do. Getting noticed takes hard work, but it's a very small part of the total picture. If you can't deliver on time and reasons for this should have only to do with circumstances beyond your control, then pick up the phone, ASAP and say so, and make sure you meet the next deadline you've set return all phone calls and emails and make sure someone in your organization returns them. You never know why a person may be calling. Um, Another really good point is be visible, go to professional seminars, lunches, receptions, any kind of gathering of folks. Don't be afraid to attend a function alone. You may find, you know, someone when you get there. And if you don't, you'll meet someone. The point is you have to be out there for people to notice you. Um, So there's 21 points. I'm going to pick some more of my favorite. Try to develop a knack for remembering names. Um, Be an active listener while you're engaged in conversation. If you feel yourself becoming bored or distracted, just politely excuse yourself. Um, I love be sensitive to the body language of those you come in contact with, be aware of how you come across to other people. Maybe it's not the right time to strike up a conversation. And I know that I have been in situations where I can tell that people just don't care about that. They're like, you're who I want to see. I want to talk to you. Forget the fact that you're on the phone or you're, you're scouring the bottom of your purse for something. I'm going to just start talking. Um, And none of that is um, a good idea. Terry also says to know your profession. And I think so many people don't do this. You get a job and then you don't stay on top of what it is that you got hired to do. Stay abreast of all of the latest trends and developments in your field and in your geographic area. Um, keep a supply of greeting cards for all occasions. I mean, I do that. And I think that this one that Terry says, write, 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 send letters and emails to people you want to do business with. Say hello, congratulations. I like your work, your style, your recent remarks, your article, many valuable professional relationships, uh, are started that way. So that is something else to remember. And I know this should go without saying, but Remember to say thank you. It's amazing how few people invest the time to express gratitude for a favor or a job well done. Remember that people don't have to do anything for you. It's all about developing a winning style and cultivating relationships that can be instrumental in opening doors you never dreamed could be open for you. Work hard to achieve your goal. So those are just a few of some of Terry's like personal touch things. If you want to find out more personal touch things, please pick up the personal touch by Terry Williams. And Terry is T-E-R-R-I-E. That is a book that if anyone starts working with me, it is the first book that I have everyone read because that is sort of like my motto. Book number five, I think you're going to love this book, uh, is You Are a Brand. And it's the letter U, the letter R, the letter A, brand. How Smart People Brand Themselves for Business Success by Catherine Caputa, I think. Um, This book is about how to control the way people who can affect your success perceive you. So my favorite chapter is chapter five in this book. I think it starts on page 67. But chapter five is about self-branding and she says a self-brand is a person a self-brand is described as such a person represents a skill set a self-brand represents a big idea or a belief system that other people find special and relevant and so chapter five says use the principles of visual identity to create a powerful self-brand package so um So often, I think that people don't think about the strongest thing that they can do to brand themselves and it's their visual identity. It's how they look on the outside. And so she goes on to talk about how visuals speak a good universal language, no matter where someone is in the world. You know, if they're on your Instagram and they see your visual or if someone has never met you and you walk up, what you're wearing is super important. What does your visual identity say? What does your entire package say about you? And I know everybody constantly uses this, um, example, but we know that like a lot of times hairstylists aren't pulled together. Their hair isn't together because they haven't made the time to do that. But there is something to be said about, um, you know, your visual identity and what your hair says about what you do. Um, Clothes communicate what you do for a living, you know, or where you may be on a socioeconomic scale. So clothes are such a strong branding device. And um, if I had to do a little sub book inside of this book, there is a book that I love called It. I T exclamation part Exclamation Mark, I'm sorry, by Paula Frolik and and that's F-O F-R-O-E. L-I-C-H so Paula Froelich F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H I'm trying to remember that off the dome but it's a phenomenal book where she talks about how as being a former writer for um, I think it's the New York Post how she understood how celebrities are celebrities and how you know if you think that Beyonce is just walking out the door you know those candidates that's not a candidate and how we can um, sort of manage the perception that people have of us by our appearance Um, and so a really great story in this chapter that she tells is remember the gray poncho Martha Stewart wore when she was released from prison um, made by an inmate that's branding Um, it said she was back on top of her game she can make lemons out of lemonade she can pluck style from anywhere because that's what her brand is and she is stronger because of this experience and so you have to look the part to get the part, but you don't want to look too perfect, right? And I know you're just like, oh my God, you just told me to make sure that I have it all together, but um Catherine says, most people find perfection a barrier to likability. So if every single thing about you is just perfect, people... You, you you introduce the barrier of likability. So it's okay if you have a straight hair or two. It's okay if your face ain't it's not beat to the gods every day. It's okay if you've got a wrinkle or two. But, you know, you also you always want to make sure you have your pieces pulled together. Um she says don't ignore your hair. It can become one of your greatest branding tools. She uses Dolly Parton, Don King and dare I say Donald Trump, um, as examples of how you can use your hair Um, to brand you. And I think if you think about the um, the Urban Bush babes, I think their hair brands them. I think Taryn guy, um, her hair is her brand. There are so many women out there who um, their their hair is their brand. And so she says, have a trademark or signature accessory that creates a visual identifier that works as a branding device. And so the first thought to me was Iris Apfel, like the older woman who wears those glasses, like that is a signature accessory. So this is obviously my list and there are more than five books that have shaped my professional life, but these I believe are a great place to start. Um, Biographies of people you love are also really great, when you're thinking about entering a business, um, stories of the making of brands that you're a fan of are also books that you should look into. So, um, I know that, uh, is it Tara, Tamara Mellon, who, who worked with Prada has a great book. And I know that the guilt group girls have a book and the nasty gal girl has the book, uh, Sophia Amaroso girl boss. There are so many, um, books that you can read so a lot of times people are like oh my god how did you start a business I've I've never really read a book that somebody doesn't really tell you how they did it so do some research look at brands that you love like the kind bar story they have a book um all of the information is out there and nearly every big company has told the story of how they started. It's just up to you to find it. So if you want more books uh, recommended by me, my book list is on my website under the books tab, mytaughtyou.com. You can remember to pre order my 2017 journal on my site right now as well. Once again, this podcast was brought to you by the all new FreshBooks try my free 30 day trial at freshbooks.com backslash my taught you. Thanks guys.